I couldn't find it slower. I had a purpose for that. But then you, when you bring it, you know, YouTube has to be your, your backup for your choir. You got to do what YouTube does. Oh, so, uh, I, you know, that, I wouldn't have had that, you know, that, that tempo, but hopefully that tempo worked for you. That song has just been ringing in my and in my spirit. <laughs> uh, uh, with regards to just this whole period, I don't think I have to wait to November to be thankful. And, and the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. And even though sometimes I, you know, may be depressed, I may, I may be, you know, disheartened, I find some kind of way to just give thanks. And in giving my thanks, the situation may not change, but I change. And how I see the situation changes. And then pretty soon, God in his own time changes everything. So I don't know, but one good prescription that's been working through the years, when you find yourself in a place, whatever that place is, get a good thank you. I mean, force yourself, make yourself, say the words to eventually it gets into your spirit and soul. So I, good morning, good morning. I want to start off saying thank you, okay? So I'm going to start with a thank you. Um, today is Grandparents Day. Isn't that wonderful? Let's give all grandparents everywhere. Those that are stepping in for grandparents. Grandparents are so awesome. Until doing some parents, because as they got older, to them and uh, their life they met. Uh, grandparents are the one that can enjoy the work of the labor and then send it home. <laughs> <laughs> grandparents can then send them home. So that's the thing, but. In the person of Sister Johnson. And in there are roses. And because uh, she's always smiling. She, she's, a, she's a smiling woman. I thought that balloon would be nice that she can remember. And even when the times are rough, she can look at that and maybe can get a smile. And then there's a plant in there. But she wouldn't be a grandmother if she didn't have a child. So I want to also honor my godmother. <laughs> Bless you. Love you. All right. And, and like Bishop says, a little later, I'll put something in your hand. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. So uh, I'm just so glad to be here. Uh, this is um, the second time. Um, and, and of course, uh, until the next time. But I do thank God. I bring you greetings from Mount Pleasant Church and Ministries, where Bishop Clifford M. Johnson is the fine uh, pastor, senior pastor, and where I've been, uh, got most of what um, I have and I am today. 
but also where um, I have an opportunity to teach in the Mount Pleasant Christian School and work. So can we go to the word? Can we go uh, in prayer for a minute? Most gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this situation and how you've brought us to this wonderful, wonderful fall day, Lord. First of all, where we can honor you. We can honor you through our worship, through our praise, through our fellowship. Then, Lord, also the day that we can take time just to uh, reflect and to honor our grandparents and those persons that are in our family that have paved the way that stand as the beacon lights to where we are headed and going. So we ask right now that you would strengthen, you would strengthen them. So many grandparents are standing in uh, the place of parents or are now having to, to do things that maybe they thought they would not have to do with this portion of their life. But Lord, we know that you're able to provide and to do everything necessary. So Lord, we give this day to you because you gave it to us. And we pray that we would act out and we would do all the things that we need to do. Bless this place called the Upper Room. Continue to bless the leadership, Lord, all the ministries. And we ask that it would just continue to bring glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We also want to thank and give honor to your man and woman of God in the presence of Pastor and Lady Thompson. Can we give them a hand? So um, today, uh, and I'll tell you what the process, uh, some people, you, you may not know this, but, but, but people can actually buy, buy messages. There, there are people out in the clerical world that go in their books, and you can go and basically read and sound very prolific when doing that. Then there are persons like your pastor that's very systematic in what um, he does. And I thank God that um, he has that spirit. And I know that you as a teaching church are getting the word, but he's doing it and, and walking you through that. Um, I'm a product of a teaching, uh, teaching pastor where he, you know, he was in school and was he was in school, we were in school. When he was learning, we were learning and that kind of thing. So that's why a lot of his sons that kind of, of approach. But I just want you to take a minute right now to look around. Not necessarily in this room, but look around the world because <laughs> I, just, I just think that, that, that sometimes, you know, I, I was thinking today that only God, who, whoever cannot say that Corona was something that God allowed, can't understand. Uh, God is the only person that has, in the history, made the sun stand still. He's the only one. He's the only one that extended hours, and no longer do you have 24 hours, but you now have a longer day so that someone can actually fight and win the battle. God is the only one that I know that basically can raise people from the dead. He's the only one that can, when, when life leaves, he can give that life back. And if you really think about it, he's the only one that can shut everything down. Nobody else could do that. I thought about it, I said everything was shut down. They told you don't move. You couldn't move. If you move, where you moving to? Because nobody there, so why move? I mean, everything. 
And the thing, though, that interests me about this whole piece was even churches were shut down. Hospitals, malls, couldn't do nothing. And for that moment, whether you realize it or not, God was trying to get our attention. Now, he may not have yours. Maybe you found something else. Maybe you put some, some DVDs that you were trying to watch in the, in, the, in the video and you watched some DVDs or you caught up on some of them series that you had on your DVR. Maybe you did that. But a lot of people began to really now look at where we are in this day and time. People that were, I mean, had good jobs, unemployed. People that, that basically had food, didn't have to worry about food. Now they're getting boxes and they're looking for relief. Kids that thought, wait a minute, I know of nothing else. I can play with Johnny. I can play with Jane. No. No school. No sports. No nothing. And because God is the only one that can shut it down, guess what? He's the only one that can open it back up. And so we must realize that as we begin, because I do not really like this, this term about normal, you know, because I said things that were normal weren't really all that normal. I said some, there was some abnormal in what you call it normal. So say that, say there's a new normal kind of bothers me. Like, you know, you know Thursday is the new Friday. I said, what does that mean? <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, not Saturday, Thursday, Friday. But then because of what happened, people working 10-hour days do 10 hours Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They are Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And like, wow, they say, that's something great. And I was telling a friend one day, I said, I had the opportunity to work at uh, Johns Hopkins. That's one of the many Hopkins uh, hospitals I worked at. And nurses been doing this forever. Nurses have been working three-day weeks, <laughs> 12 hours, and you get the four free. That wasn't nothing new, but now it was more embraced. I mean, computers and, and video conferences have always been going on, but now it's like it's the new norm. Zooming. You know, zooming. Okay. Side conference, I'll talk about that later. So our scripture today, if, if we can look and turn to Nehemiah 2, I'm going to read 1 to 20, but I want to focus on really verse 20. Nehemiah 2, verse 20. And then it says this, Nehemiah 2, 20. Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will rise, arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. So today for a minute, I want to talk to you about rise up and build. Rise up 
and build. I want to talk just for a few minutes. And I was thinking the other day, I said, you know, I was like, wait a minute. I got some credit because I left some minutes on the clock last week. <laughs> so I don't know what time y'all normally get out, but I got some credit here somewhere. I don't have some credit. I use like 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. So if I, <laughs> so if I go over, I don't really go over. You just, okay, gotcha. I just wanted to know. All right, okay. This might be one of the messages. I, okay, I'm going to try to be good, though. All right. All right, number one, you have a prophet's heart. As we look at this scripture today, we want to see a prophet's heart. Secondly, we want to see a prophet's hand. And then thirdly, we want to see a prophet's help. A prophet's heart, a prophet's hand, a prophet's help. So if we look at the, the book of Nehemiah, and, and very strategically, you know, I, I, you know, as I said, when I talked about how messages come, I, I usually pray. You know, I, I, we are always trained, and Pastor will tell you, as we were being trained, we were told to always have a message in your back pocket. You need to have something that you're working on, something that if somebody says, you know what, can you preach for me? You say, oh, yeah, I'm ready. And uh, a lot of times that's true, but... When I have uh, engagements or persons ask me to come, I specifically usually pray, Lord, really, what do you want me to say? What do they need? What, because ultimately, I'm just the conduit. I'm not saying, I'm not going to say anything new. I'm not going to say anything that's not in line with your teaching. I just am here to give an echo effect or to basically put that, that, um, that whipped cream or that ice cream on the cake or that, that little cherry on what you already know and you're working through. So when we look at, at the book of Nehemiah, the first thing we kind of do if I, as I walk you through it is to look at chapter Chapter 1 is interesting because what it does, it shows and tells you that Nehemiah was a cupbearer and he was a cupbearer to the king. But also, Nehemiah had seen and heard of the destruction of the wall. Say wall. Wall. Now, now that may not seem like much, and I have some pictures to show you of, of what the wall might look like um, because uh, I know I've had an opportunity to go to Jerusalem and to see some of the ruins, but they have pictures of some of the excavations and things that they did through the years. So I don't want you to think of this right here, all right? Not, not that. We're talking about stone walls. We're talking about something that is, has to protect you from enemies. Let me show the picture. So I want you to kind of look at that for a minute, all right? Get a, get a, get a visual. This is what we're, what was happening. You, we, we see that there are parts of it that look at it falling down. There are parts that are decaying. But we, 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 it's, it's important because the wall had a lot of different significance. Once it was, it signified that this was a place that was secure. So the wall was a sense of security. But also, the more fortified the wall, the more valuable the things behind the wall. 
So the wall for these Jews was important because the neighboring um, uh, um, groups, all right, could look in there and they could at any time come in, do whatever they want to, loot, steal, rob, take over. So it's important to understand when we talk about just a wall, it just wasn't a wall. It, they, it had some, some significance. I don't know about you and your neighborhood, but I grew up in West Baltimore. I grew, okay, my house was in West Baltimore. I grew up in East Baltimore. That's, that's where family, adopted church and everything was. But if you are from and go back to some of these neighborhoods, it is hard for your hearts not to break. It's hard to see boarded up houses. It's, it's hard to see rodents and trash. It's hard. It's hard to try to remember, wait a minute, I played in this alley. Me and my friends used to walk from school down that street to see people on the corner doing stuff that you know that Miss So-and-so or, or Mr. So-and-so or Uncle So-and-so wasn't going to allow to happen. Oh, and it, it, it does something. I, I said, and this was something, I'll just tell you, I said, if I ever ran for mayor, I probably couldn't be mayor because the first thing I would do is I would have everybody go to a neighborhood and I said, get it together. Baltimore will never be great where you have slums. Baltimore will never, where's the pride? Where can you be proud? proud? I mean, where I had to go and to wash Cement steps, young people. We had whitewash cement steps. I'm like, these are steps outside. Why am, I why am I washing these things? Saturday morning, you watch your TVs, you ate your little cereal and that kind of stuff, and there was a list of chores that you had to do. Don't let it be a holiday or somebody coming to visit you. Oh, Lord Jesus. And there were no child labor laws. You ain't going to call nobody. Ain't nobody got your defense. You just better do it and like it. But today, so, so the question is, uh, you know, I, I always tell parents that whatever worked to get you to wherever, it works. Times change. God doesn't change. And guess what? Since God doesn't change, the things he did and uses in people's lives doesn't change. Whoopings are biblical. I didn't say kill nobody. <laughs> Just whoop them. Just whoop them. Okay. So we see that Nehemiah was very, very sad. He was absolutely sad. In the beginning of the second, the second chapter where we're, where we're talking, it, it says, um, in the month, it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of year of Artaxerxes, the the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, when I had been before time said in his presence, wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of the what. 
of the heart, I was very so afraid. Now, there's an important piece in there I want you to miss. If you look at this chronologically, you say, oh, wow, one day he walked in. But if you go to chapter 1, you'll see that he had prayed four months before about the situation. So how long does it take? Add this question there. How long does it take to pray something and see results? <laughs> four months had passed. And he had been before the king before, but it wasn't God's timing. And he prayed. And you could see it was some heavy on his heart. And even though he wasn't physically there, so you know how it is. We moved to the county. <laughs> we moved to a better neighborhood. And we forget that we were brought up east side, west side. We forget North Carolina, South Carolina, we forget. But I will never forget the outhouses of North Carolina. I will never, ever forget the outhouses of North Carolina. Or the fact of had taken a bath in a tub with hot water pulled in it because there was no water. I will never forget the pumps. And we, and again, I wasn't born in the Flintstone time. And really, you know, it wasn't that long ago, technically. But I'm saying certain things I'm going to never forget no matter what I get or how my life may change. So it was four months. But the thing about it is when something is bothering you and weighing heavy on you, it's very easy to see it. It shows in your countenance. You know, you, it shows in how you respond. And the thing that I think is important was it was the king that came to Nehemiah, not Nehemiah going to the king. So when you pray about a situation, God hears your prayer and what he'll do, he knows your heart. He will work it out. And even though you don't see how things are connected and how he's putting the pieces together, he will bring everything together for good. So we see his heart. And I said unto the king, verse 3, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof be consumed with fire? Then the king said to me, For what doest thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me into Judah unto the city of my father's sepulchres. And the king said unto me, Now, throw in the queen, and the queen <laughs> also sitting by him, for, for how long shall you, thy journey be? And when will thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him. A time. So it's interesting to look at how this, this story is playing out because, number one, someone has said, listen, this is what I want. They see you're upset. He sees Nehemiah's upset, feels his heart. But now what happens is he is giving, he's, he's now saying, okay, I don't know what you need. Tell me what you need and how long you need it, and I'm going to make sure that it happens. Now, 
as I read some commentaries, it was told that what Nehemiah was just looking for, all he was looking for was time off. All right, you got a month, you got some six weeks. If we look at the verses after that, we see, no, the king didn't just give him time off. All right? All right? What happens is he then also sends people with him. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given to me to the governors beyond the river that may convey me over till I come unto Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that it may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which apprehended to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So one of the things we need to realize is, and, and you need to do this, okay, I want you to take your right hand, which is a hand, the hand, take your right hand, take your right hand, everybody lift the right hand up, all right, best you can, you don't have to be, you don't have to be, you can be, be there, put your hand on your head, say, I am anointed and appointed to do a good work. Whether you realize it or not, you may not see it, you may not feel it, but God has his hand upon you to do a good work. And he has anointed you, that means spiritually giving you the enablement to because you care, because you do whatever, not to worry, but to put, make your request known unto God, and he will bring it to pass. And that's what is very important to see here because what happened is Nehemiah did not know what he was going to do. In fact, we're going to see exactly how long it took to rebuild the wall. But we want to look at Nehemiah's hand as it was really not his hand, but the hand of God working in and through Nehemiah. See, that's what you need to understand. I learned a long time ago in my young um, Christendom, that the Lord uses me. He uses what I say. He uses what I don't say. He uses what I do, what I don't do. He uses me. And he, and I don't have to necessarily, he wants a willing vessel, but sometimes I may not even realize that he's using me to do the things that you need to do. So in class, young people, God is going to use you. What do you mean, Ms. Baker? Well, I have had students that have been dealing with some stuff, and I have, again, not know whether the child is saved or not. Maybe has been dealing with something at home. And then a student walks over and says, what's going on? And he's either encouraged that young person or prayed for that young person or said, you know what? It's going to be encouraged. I mean, whatever it was. So I'm like, realize you don't have to be a, a preacher or an adult because young people, secret for y'all adults, are going through stuff too. Last year, one of the saddest things we were told at school was that um, a, lot of, a lot of students, young people, were going through some depression and they weren't going to do an oppression just because they weren't in school or they missed their friends. It's because they were watching what was going on to their families. 
they, they had questions and they were worrying about, you know, what was, you know, what, you know if something's going to happen and, and this, that, and the other. And one of the young boys, um, one of my uh, students last year came to me and he said, I've been up all night. I said, why are you this? I've been worrying about my mom and dad's job. I'm like, you in the fourth grade. <laughs> you been worried about that test I'm going to give you next week. You worried about what? And they said, I'm worried about my brother. His brother, of course, is in high school. And so you don't have to be, and, and, and at the truth be told, young people feel more than we give them credit to. And the greatest thing we can ask them is, what's going on with you? How are you feeling? Now, what can I do to make whatever is better? Sometimes we can't do things. But to let them know, and just because sometimes they know that we care will make the difference. A prophet's heart, a prophet's hand. That wall that you saw, you would think of, oh, wait a minute, okay, that's going to take a little while. Because what, what happens, if you read through the story, Nehemiah went to the wall and he surveyed it. He, just, he looked at what the wall was and, and lay in ruins and everything. And before we get to verse 20, we see there's a lot of things that happen. Now, everybody say haters. Haters. That was the, that was the Ebonic way of saying it. The word is really haters. <laughs> Haters, not we say haters, haters, people that hate on God's blessing upon you. And what the first thing that Nehemiah got as he got the king's blessing, got this piece of paper that says he can do whatever he needs to do. He got a police guard, all right, army going, taking him through everything. The haters and that thing called hateration rises his head. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> you covered here to build a wall. Are you serious? Are you serious? You think that what's going to happen is we're going to let you build this wall up right in front of our faces? Now, remember, again, back in those days, you had what's called fashions. And so you go in the words, we don't like to read this rights and those ites and those ises and everything, groups and things like that. But they were really just groups of people that, of course, had a leader or, had, or came from a specific family or a tribe or a group. So these people actually come and they tell as Nehemiah, what are you doing? Because you are now getting ready to fortify this city and you're building a wall. And whether you realize it or not, we don't got no problem with it, but we ain't going to just let you do that. But we need to understand that when we are connected and we are obedient, that God will fight our battles. And last time I checked, I know about Holyfield. Some of y'all know about Ali. But I'm telling you, the best fighter I know that's a prize fighter, never lost the title, is God. God never lost the fight. He didn't have to have, go to no big places, have it televised. No, God, when he fights your battles, he fights your battles. So the best thing to do in my mind sight, my little, little warp thinking, is to allow him to fight the battle. Him to do the work. Him to go before you. That's what needs to be done. So, fast forwarding through what needs to be done, 
one thing that I, as I was studying it, I realized this wall, because this wall took only 52 days to build. 52 days to build all this wall around. 52 days. Not 52 years, not 52 months. 52 days. But there's a reason to happen. First of all, what you need to realize when we're talking about arise is that that, that command is a command. Rise up. It's not, okay, those that get ready, those that feel like it, those that want to. It's just rise up. And what God instructs us to do, there's some things that he gives us and they're commands. It's not an option whether we love one another. He says to love one another. It's, it's not an option whether we are to be, uh, we should care about our brothers. He says love your brother as yourself. It's, it's a command. And because of the commands, and we are obedient to the commands, there are things that are able to be done. So picture this, all right, because as people got behind Nehemiah and said, we're going to build. We're going to rise and build. Let's picture the building. They were working on the wall, but they was against them. Haters. They also, they had, and I, I got, I said, let me do another visual. So whatever they had, I don't know if they had saws, they had some wrenches, they had a hammer. I don't know what they had, but they had their tools in one hand. And in the other hand, they had a spear. Because they were determined that we will build the wall. So what am I telling you? What does this mean? You tell me about Nehemiah. Your church, your families, your school, you personally, God wants to be about a building project in you. He wants to build you. But in building you, you've got to understand that you have had to, first of all, have to have a mind that you are going to rise up. But then you're going to do the work. And you're not going to allow what people say or do deter you. In one hand, whatever you're going to be building and working on, you're doing with that. The other hand, you're going to do, you're going to protect yourself. Sounds to me like the whole arm of God. <laughs> That's what you're doing. So, church, what I'm telling you is I don't know what areas in your life have been affected by the things of time. School system, can the school system be rebuilt? Of course it can. Families and communities, can they be rebuilt? Of course they can. Marriages, how children respond, can they be? Yes, it can be rebuilt. Of course it can. But it's not going to be rebuilt if people do not have a heart and are not, not committed to what they're doing. Put their hands to work. So, Bible study should not be an option. You need the Word of God. It's one of your weapons. Sunday service shouldn't be an option. Praise. It's one of your weapons. 
whatever your man of God is telling you that you need to do to rebuild because as the church is rebuilt, the people are rebuilt, the world is rebuilt. So it is a, it is a, a whole circular thing that's going on. It's all connected. So if you really, really, really want to go past what's normal, because that's my goal. I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go past normal. All right? I want to go past that. I want to be better than what I was before COVID-19. Like COVID-19 don't have to stop. Because I said even if COVID-19 stopped, all of a sudden tomorrow God said there's no more COVID-19. People going to still want to Zoom. People going to still want to be stay home in their pajamas, drinking their coffee, watching services. People going to still talk about, <laughs> I got some conditions. And you know, I don't know, did you sanitize faster? <laughs> has nothing to do because people are going to find reasons and things to do what needs to be done. It's convenient. Oh, I can't visit the sick. Oh, I can't do that. You know, <laughs> you know I don't know if they got vaccinated. Now, some places in the world we're not going back to. But that has nothing to do with COVID-19. It's the signs of the time. See, all this stuff that's going on, if you will study and, and of course, you know, talk to, to Pastor, I'm sure he will be, other people that know about science, all of this is very, very in keeping with the end times. Which means that, and this is the encouragement, Pastor, that I was thinking about. A lot of churches, the Bible talks about the ten virgins, and they were foolish and they were wise. And there are a lot of churches that are foolish. They're going around, they're changing the doctrine, they're doing all this kind of stuff, Pastor. They all of a sudden, oh, well, maybe Jesus wasn't real. Maybe he was just a man. Maybe they're, they're doing all this. They're changing their doctrine like in a minute. And people that have put their trust and their faith in the person, not the word of God, not in God, in, in a person, they're the ones that are falling aside. They're the ones that are those foolish virgins. But I'm thankful that your pastor, your church is one of the wise versions that's taking this time, that's building you up, doing the things that you need to do. So, yes, you are trimming your garments. You are doing what needs to be done. And that is something to praise the Lord for. Give the Lord a hand for that. Everybody ain't doing what y'all doing. Some churches still ain't open. Ain't going to open no time. <coughs> the third point is a prophet's help. We need to realize ultimately where our help comes from. And see, one of the things that it talks about in uh, Nehemiah, that as these people were doing this, because it's very easy to get weary and well-doing. Very easy. Very, very easy. You start working and all of a sudden like, oh, I didn't know it would be this hard. Oh, my gracious, I got to memorize all this in the catechism. Oh, my gracious. Ain't there something? Wasn't there one of them? Oh, my. Didn't he, didn't he, can, he just, can we skip that one? That's a little long. I don't know about that now. But what happens, <laughs> what happens is that um, we need to realize that God will strengthen our hands. He's already strengthened us. We have the potential before the work. We're going to find strength in the work. 
But then ultimately, we have to understand that the strength will come after the work. That we're going to be strengthened in our inner man, in our minds. We're going to look back and pretty soon say, wait a minute. Look where God has brought me. Oh, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I can see your hand working in the situation. I can see it now. Yes, be not, be not weary in well-doing. Does not say you're going not going to be weary. It says be not weary in well-doing. I mean, as you're doing it, you're going to get weary, but then you need to realize, wait a minute, all right, eventually I ain't going to be worried no more. I'm going to reap. So we don't worry about the, what we're doing now. We see the end result. And as you get ready to, of course, celebrate a church and pass the anniversary, I pray that you look and see the hand of God that has, through these years, kept you, has provided for you, has had, and is continually doing it. But don't just stop in the here and now, because God has bigger, better, and greater things for you. But you have got to, again, rise up and build. That's what God is saying to this church, to you individually, to churches around. And as people are trying to create a new normal, I'm so glad that God has told me that I don't have to do that. I don't have to worry about that. He just wants me to be obedient. He just wants me to, again, to realize that he is, he is my help, and he's going to strengthen my hand. Now, as I leave these two days, I need to pray for you. I'm praying for you for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> we live in dark days. And I'm telling you, it does not take a major event to go and to change your actual life. Uh, I talked to my class on um, Friday about 9-11. They weren't even born. They, they weren't even a thought. And I gave them some information, and I said, people that were around for 9-11 can remember. And I said, it wasn't because 9-11, we were in New York or something like that, but the questions came. So I remember I was in school, and somebody said that they had went and they crashed into the, um, the, the Twin Towers, and then parents were running in there talking about, I need my child, I need my child. I'm like, that's New York. That's New York. What are you talking about? They, they bombing all the cities in Baltimore. They bombing everywhere. We're next to D.C. We're next. And everybody went into a panic because of the questions and how fear gripped them. And right now, when people that are close to us are transitioning, as, as the news tell us, I think they're down to Mu now. Let's see, was Delta, then Lambda, <laughs> now we're Mu. You know, this, like, and, and, you, and, and you, you swear COVID-19 just popped up, but COVID was already around. It was already around. And if they stop, you know, glamorizing it and talking about it in such a sense, guess what? People forget about it. They'll talk about it, whatever. It's like the flu. You don't think about the flu to win. Flu season. <laughs> what do you think about the flu? 
You ain't, you ain't, you, you, ain't, you, you, that's what you think with the flu. I, I need the flu shot. You don't think about the flu shot in any flu season. <laughs> you don't do that. So this COVID is a season, but I think the greatest thing that they're doing, and this is what people are saying with it and why people don't want to do it, is how people are responding to this whole pandemic and how it's affecting people. People are living and dying every day. And we have no control. God gives life and God takes life. We all have an expiration date. Can't go before and definitely ain't going after. We have a time and only God knows when that is. But also only God knows what's going to take us out of here. So because of that, we can't live by fear. We've got to make sure that when God, we face a holy God, he'll say good and faithful servant, well done. You weren't perfect, but you did what I asked you to do. You were, you were obedient. You were faithful. That's all that's important. So as we bow our heads all over the place, most gracious Father, we thank and praise you for this place called the Upper Room. We thank you, Lord, that you have set this place as a beacon light for um, the world to see. We thank you, Lord, for all the ministries and all the projects that they have that uh, they use to, again, show your love, to minister to your people. Now, Lord, I pray specifically for each of them. First, Lord, I pray for the men and women of God that you placed here, that you will continue to, to protect them, to prosper them, to give them wisdom, to give them understanding, to give them your heart. But then, Lord, as they interact with the followers, the persons that you've given under them, Lord, we pray that what you would do is give them ears that they may hear and see you. And, Lord, that they would follow your word. Now, Lord, all of us have our own situations. We have our circumstances. We have all our battles. We have our walls that we are trying to build. We pray right now you would give us obedient hearts, hearts that would, be, would, would not only just trust in you, but trust in your word. Lord, I pray that no matter where they are and what they do, that the world will see a blazing light and that they will see the favor that's upon them. And they will ask, how do I get? what you have. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Lord, before I do, I do also want to pray for every young one here, Lord, every young person on the sound of my voice, as they face a new school year with many challenges and unforeseen situations. We pray right now that you will continue to shower them, to protect them, Lord, to allow them to know that you love them, and because you love them, they can trust their families. They can trust the other persons that are over them. Lord, we pray that you continue to, to nurture them in the admonition of your word. Now we bless you for this. And consider these things done. In Jesus' name, amen.